welcome to the podcast. My name is Sam Becker. Uh, my name is Richard Hess. I'm Todd Colley. And we are, enter name, here. And thank you very much for joining us on our first podcast. Um, we're just going to, this is a chill out, loose conversation about movies in general, film in general. Um, so just give a little brief history. Um, me and Rich, Rich, I knew you back in high school. And yeah. I'm pretty sure that our- We were super our, cool back then. Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we just got that Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon tab book and just worked our way through it. So <laughs> real cool dudes. To this day, I can still bust out a couple of those. Yep. Yep. I don't think I'll ever fully forget how to play time. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, but we basically over quarantine, me and Rich um, have just been pretty much nonstop texting about movies and different things we were watching throughout the um, um, throughout the whole beginning and still of quarantine. And then uh, Richard introduced me to his friend, Todd. Hello, Todd. Hello. Uh, Todd, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I'm a sociology professor. I teach some classes through film. I uh, really like movies to a fairly obsessive degree. Uh, and um, that, that's it. I, I uh, was nowhere near where y'all were in high school. I was in South Louisiana, uh, probably in college when y'all were in high school, if I'm guessing. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, and so that, that's me. And uh, I've been friends with Rich for a couple years now and we talk about movies quite a bit as well. Yeah, back in the before four time, uh, Todd and I would go to movies pretty regularly and be the only ones there and yeah i'm a big fan of the i'm a big fan of the friday at noon shows so yeah we we... (laughs) is there anything better than having a movie theater to your like just by yourself or like maybe a couple other people it's awesome pretty good but there is one thing that's worse, which is old ladies that tend to go to those same afternoon movies and talk through the entire movie. <laughs> there, I saw, I saw Suspiria on a weekday afternoon, and um, the only people there was like an old couple and a couple of teenage girls. And yeah, I was also got kind of high before I went, which was a mistake. And then the lady giving the lady gave me my ticket. I was like, I'll have one for Suspiria. She goes, really? And I was like, oh. Was this was this a mistake? Did I did I fuck up somehow? <laughs> Cut to me having a three hour panic attack. <laughs> so. Weird. Mike. I also saw Suspiria High and was like, yeah, <laughs> fold that lady. <laughs> Love it. I also saw Suspiria High, but I saw it with, in a group with, it was clearly just like eight film nerds. There were eight solo people there who were all watching the movie sure. by themselves, like equidistant from each other. Uh, so yeah, my no old people at that one, just, just a bunch of film guys. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I one time when we were in high school, I think it was Alien versus Predator had just come out and we were the only people in the audience. The, it was just me and my buddy, Matt, um, Matt Hadley. And we were running up and down the, we were in high school, you know, we were running up and down the aisles, having a hell of a time. It was a, made that movie fun. Yeah. You feel like a God. Yeah. You're really, yeah. 
<laughs> or maybe that's just me. I don't know. That's how yeah. I feel. I like movies a lot. So it makes me feel like I'm, I'm some sort of God. Yeah. For sure. Well, Richard, what have you been watching lately? Uh, so I had a, a bad week of, of watches this week. Like I didn't really like anything that I watched. Uh, I, I put on uh, sound of metal. Wasn't my thing. Like it was well-made, but not my thing. Also, for a movie called Sound of Metal, not a lot of either. Uh, <laughs> then uh, tried to watch uh, Gretel and Hansel. Couldn't oh. get into it. Like, might have to go back to it at some other point. But, like, I bailed, like, halfway through and was just, like, this. The Oz wasn't... Perkins movie? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Huh. Like, it, it looked really cool. I just couldn't, like, establish with it. And, like, I don't know. I, I might have just been too too preoccupied. So, instead, I tried to go to Tango and Cash, which just doesn't hold up at all. Nope like <laughs> armored rvs and everything uh like it, it just wasn't it's not the 80s anymore in my heart sure so i watched the entire nicholas cage history of swear words uh, how about you guys <laughs> speaking of nicholas cage um my big big watch that i got in this week was uh bad lieutenant port of call new orleans um yes now i really like this movie i mean it's batshit bonkers there's like there's two scenes in that movie that actually one actually like legit disturbed me. I looked over at my partner and I was like, I don't like this. Like I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not having fun right now. Mm -hmm. Um, but all it was, it's such a man. You want to talk about Nicolas Cage hamming it up, like yep. going full throttle. That that movie he really lets loose. Not in a bad way though. I mean that like in the best possible way. Um, it was, it's hard to explain. And there's like even like. For some reason, I had it in my head that it was like an art artsy film, and it kind and it goes there at times. Like there's some like iguana shots. Richard, have you seen it? I I have not yet. It's, okay. it's on my list. You'll know what I mean by when I say iguana stuff. Whereas you're just watching I, it. I look forward like, to finding this out. <laughs> and you're like, what the <laughs> hell's happening here? Um, but yeah, I mean that was a trip, no doubt. So I'd say a plus on that one. So and other than. Oh, sorry. Yeah, other than Mandy, that's like one of my favorite Nick Cage performances. He's sure. it's like consistently crazy. And I so I think it's just like underrated for people who love Nick Cage. It's like a must-see movie. It's like yeah. one of his best roles. Yeah. And it, I've only liked it better throughout the week after I watched it. It's like one mm -hmm. of those movies where like I'll be at work and I'll just think about it. Um, yeah, like totally, totally loved it. Are there people that don't like Nick Cage? They're just bad people. <laughs> Not to put a timestamp on um, this podcast, but have you guys seen pictures online of like the riots at the Capitol and the insurrection at the Capitol? Someone's been photoshopping Nick Cage, like taking away, like oh yeah, yeah, portraits. that is so great. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me so happy. One of my takeaways this week has been that we're going too hard on writers because of. Yeah, every story we've called implausible turns out was very plausible. Yeah. Speaking we, of that, I, I rewatched The Purge. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which I hadn't rewatched at all. When you say stories that all of a sudden we we made fun of for seeming implausible, that all of a sudden maybe are plausible. That movie, okay, this is a controversial take, but I actually 
uh, just rewatched it and I kind of like that movie. I think it's like a little more prescient than we thought it might have been like at the time in terms of just like Trumpism and weirdness uh, in that it's a film about how like complete passivity all of a sudden can let these like horrible things happen around you uh, in, you know what I mean? Like, and uh, that it's really held up a lot of these horrible things by people being passive as opposed to people being like actively evil. I don't know. Sure. So it's a, r- a random rant, but uh, when you talk about movies that all of a sudden seemed better, I didn't think I was going to like it at all. And don't get me wrong. It's not a great movie. It's a movie to mostly make fun of while you're watching, but it held up and the messages really hit harder than I thought they would actually. So that was one movie, I don't know, that I watched recently. I've only seen so, Purge Anarchy, and I liked it, but I haven't seen the first one. So. That, that is the weird thing for me, is that I saw the two sequels that came after The Purge, but I have not seen the first Purge. And like, oh, not first. really, like, I liked the, the, the second one. I liked the second one a lot. Mm-hmm. And, like, that made me watch the third one, which was fine. But, like... Sure. I've never had that desire to go back and watch the first one. <laughs> Someday, like, it, yeah. If you're ever feeling in a mood where you hate rich people, that's a great movie to throw on. So uh, every day. Yeah, so every day <laughs> every is a day, great all day purge. to watch The Purge. <laughs> well, so you, you brought up uh, movies that have you know aged like wine in, in the modern era. And like at the beginning of the pandemic, one of the ones that I watched was The Mist by Frank Darabont. And oh, that movie so has only become more on the ball. Like everything that like earlier, I was just like, these people, like nobody's going to act like that. I'm like, holy fucking shit. They're, they're seeing a monster and still saying there's not a monster outside. And I'm just like, <laughs> you, you got me to buy. Cause I, I had known of the mists and I always heard it was great. And everyone said, get the Blu-ray so you can watch the black and white version the way it was meant to be. And mm-hmm. so I went out after you watched it and you said like, Sam, you got to watch the mist went out bought that blu-ray i does not disappoint i love that movie i'd go so far as to put not only as favorite horror movies but like in my top favorite movies that movie rocks especially the black and white version if you can get your hands on the blu-ray check it out i need to see that now like yeah after you talking about it i'm like thinking about it and like revisiting the short story that inspired it like on a, a drive Liz and I listened to it and on Audible. So I was like, yeah, I could so I could see this with that 50s, you know, creature feature vibe and the black and white and everything. Does the black and white make the monsters like look more classic and yes. better? Like make yeah. I think I'd like that, but also I would miss the corniness of like because sure. part of the funny thing about the mist is you you get that great corny uh looking stuff that comes in in the middle of it but i gotta yeah. check that out i've never seen the black and white version it's um, well, that's kind of the magic of that movie is that it feels like it should be corny and yet it's still horrifying and like yeah, it's under yeah. Skin. yeah it's truly effective while but you do get a good laugh like when they're in the pharmacy like because i've watched the color version too but like yeah. when you're in the pharmacy and you're watching you're like ah cool <laughs> like that's a goofy looking <laughs> thing but so I, I saw that in theaters with my friend who's afraid of spiders. And this this was his, his barometer of whether he was still as afraid of spiders. And turns out, yeah, yeah, he was. <laughs> Wait, giving them teeth doesn't make it better. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean. I've seen a couple new releases recently that were pretty cool. One of them I shared with uh, with Rich, so he could probably talk about it too, but Shiva Baby 
which it hasn't, I guess, officially released. It's in some of the like theaters and I got a hold of a, a screener, but I would suggest anybody who gets a chance to watch it or when you hear it come out, consider this film. Shiva Baby takes place almost entirely at uh, a Shiva. Uh, so it is a woman who goes to a Shiva. She's like in college still or about to graduate from college. And it's one of the like cringiest like hard to watch but like intensely funny comedies I've seen in some time I personally like loved it and have seen it a couple different times I don't know what Rich thought actually I think he kind of liked it at least I don't know I, I actually really liked it a lot but I described it to Todd like listening to Stephen Merchant deliver his tight five uh for the first time you know and in a stand-up audience and like it, it is so cringy and like I keep alternating between just like laughing out loud and like you know losing my breath and like feeling like I'm going to explode from the discomfort of this movie because yeah like it, it's very similar like it reminded me of death to a funeral where it's like just it just layers the awkwardness on top of it just, just keeps going and keeps going and like every time you think that like this girl is like as far into the corner as you can get it gets worse. Yeah, <laughs> it's called it's Shiva Baby. Okay, Shiva Baby. Yeah, I'll have and to check that I, out. Yeah, when it comes out, it's it's great. So I'm I'm ex uh, I, I I would recommend that to people. The other one I saw that's like a new one is Have you all heard of Shadow in the Cloud? No, I want to see that. That is on my list. Okay, so it stars Chloe Grace Moretz. I went into this fairly cold, and that's how I suggest people go in. But, I mean, at, at its base level, it's just Chloe Grace Moretz is a secret agent who gets on a, like, World War II plane with secret documents, and then weird stuff starts to happen. And it is Isn't she supposed to be, like, a tail gunner or something? Yeah, well, she she gets put in the the like balterit gun balterit gunner uh, position, the thing yeah. under the plane. Uh, yeah, it's a B seventeen flying fortress, or, you yeah, know, like that style plane, and yeah. But this is a classic B movie. It's the writing is pretty smart, and it is just ridiculous. It's one of the funnier things i've seen but it is a horror film too that like has also like uh action elements to it i don't know it's great but i really liked it and uh i think it it's the way it was promoted is kind of weird but um i recommend it to people if if people are into just like horror comedy horror weirdness okay. it's not an overt comedy it's pretty subtle but it's uh yeah it's it's funny you're right that it probably wasn't marketed very well because i do remember as you guys were describing i remember seeing ads for it and being like so what is this like yeah 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 no well one... it's 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 because there's like four or five twists that occur in the film so there are so many that it's not even a spoiler to say twists occur that's how many there are uh like and it's so it's it's a hard film to market i get why it was difficult but sure. yeah if you're into silly horror I can't recommend this film enough. It's great. I well, really liked it. Part of it is like, so I, I've read a little bit about it. I haven't seen it yet, um, but I, I saw something about it pop up in my feed. And essentially that part of why it's not been marketed is that the original like creator of the idea and like the first draft of the story was somebody who got canceled. 
Uh, oh, Max Landis. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, was it a Max Landis? Okay. Yep. Gotcha. That so, must be what it is. Okay. But, like, from what I've heard, you know, like, the couple, you know, early reviews that I've seen so far, people are like, you know, they scrubbed, they scrubbed the stink out and, you know, still managed to stick the landing. Sure. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. I didn't notice that. I, um, I watched, uh, uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Oh, interesting. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. It was fine. I mean, there's a lot of hate about it going on right now, and it wasn't great. It certainly wasn't better than the first one, um, or nor even close as good as the first one. But right. I mean, for you know, it was like a Wednesday night or whatever like sat down and watched it it was fine you know it was fun i'll tell yeah, you i was okay. glad that i didn't get hyped for it but it was yeah. it was watchable yeah i liked i liked um what's his name pedro pascal does i say his name yeah yeah i liked him as like i wished that cheetah wasn't in it like Kristen wig was an unnecessary well, villain that's the weird thing like i have a complicated relationship with Kristen wig like i think she's a good actor but sometimes like her humor just isn't my style, but like, yeah, that's just yeah. a me like that, you know, I, um, but like some of her characters, like they, it's the same thing that I get with like a lot of Will Ferrell stuff. Like there yeah. are some Will Ferrell characters that I can like a lot. And there are some that I have difficulty with. You're right. Cause I think she's very funny and like, but I also know she's a great actress. What was that? Um, uh, the skeleton twins, like she can act. Yeah um but, well that's just it is like yeah i've seen her in roles where like she elevates you know like out of this like kind of like slapstick comedy and like not that it doesn't work like obviously you know bridesmaids made a yeah, shit ton right. of money yeah it's, uh, it was, it was hilarious um but like i i'm a point you know i hit a point where i'm just like i'm i'm saturated enough like i'm i'm good um but like what drove me nuts with her character is like i didn't actually mind her in this but the writing of that character was fucking terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And she, like, it was super sexist. It's like, you have a, like a top tier female villain and you do no development whatsoever. And Pedro Pascal gets everything like, yeah. um, but like, yeah, Pedro Pascal, you know, the villain he played is like well flushed out and like interesting. And it's just like, okay, you proved that you could do this. So why not either just make Cheetah her own movie, which she probably, you know, could have held and yeah, just stuck yeah. with one or you know filled her in too you have a two and a half hour movie and like the first 15 minutes are this awesome like olympic ceremony which is gorgeous and like brilliantly shot and has nothing to do with the rest of the movie no other than truth don't lie don't lie and don't cheat <laughs> yeah but <laughs> it was a less expensive way to get that across to people <laughs> I didn't hate the film. I just didn't like it very much. The best part in the movie isn't really, it's just like in the, like when, when is, is I'm stumbling. It's basically when Steve Trevor, is that his name? Mm. Uh, Chris is Chris Pine. Oh, right. That's the easiest way. Shorthand. <laughs> the best part is when Chris Pine is kind of acclimating to the eighties world. In my opinion, I like him and I like some of his chemistry uh, with the lead. I just, I don't know. Overall, I found it pretty unenjoyable. As I said, not really hating on it more. Just like I got, I got very little out of it except yeah. for 
Chris Pine on an escalator smiling was pretty charming. Uh, when learning about the modern world, that was kind of fun. I did like watching Chris Pine kick a tank, like kick a tank. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that literally made me giggle out loud. I was like, oh, cool. I didn't know gun barrels could be bent by kicking them. So. <laughs> Well, and like that, like that whole subplot, like, yeah, that I, I, I liked that stuff too. But at the same time, I kept, kept help, or I couldn't help but feel like this movie is like almost two and a half hours long. Like how many times do we need Chris Pine, like reacting to something from the eighties? It's like, we get it, like, let's, let's go. Well, what's, what's more upsetting favorite. is they did the fish out of water thing so much better in the first one. So it's like, you've done mm. this, you've done yeah. this before and you did it great. What happened? But well, that said, Patty I'm Jenkins. still, I'm still excited for Rogue Squadron. Like very, yeah. Fair enough. I mean, enough. okay. Oh, but uh, the other DC um, thing, I I've watched all of the Harley Quinn animated show. If you guys have not gotten a chance to watch that yet, check it out because that show rocks. Really? So hard. yeah, I so I saw good. the first episode and liked it. I need to finish the rest. Ron Funches as King Shark is the best thing that's ever happened to anything. He's so anything is yeah. yeah. He's amazing at it. And there's so much meta humor. Like it's it's so fantastic. So highly like recommend. that that is a personal goal for life is to be like Twitter buddies with Ron Funches or something. Like I want to fucking Instagram. <laughs> like <laughs> I want to be buddies with him, man. Yeah. Like I remember like when he had just started his stand-up act and like half of it was like about his kid, and like yeah. he was still hilarious. Yeah, he just seems like a big sweetheart, no doubt. So yeah. Okay, I'm trying to think. I think that's about it. I, we watched the flight attendant as well on HBO Max, which was good. I actually really liked that as well. But that's you know not so much of movie talk. But um, it, it was it was a good two nights, three nights of watching. Enjoyed it. So. Okay, so let's start today. We we we're picking topics for our first episode here, and uh. It was suggested, I believe Richard suggested, movies that fucked up our childhood. Um, and what a good way to start out. Um, while we, we all kind of picked some movies we were going to talk about, um, Todd, why don't we start with you? I picked, um, as <laughs> so you have to picture a five-year-old Todd, and he watches uh, what's supposed to be a very sweet film called The NeverEnding Story. Uh, and so that, that's that's the first one I want to talk about. The 1984 film Neverending Story by Wolfgang Peterson. I assume y'all have seen this? Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. So, also, yeah. I'm picturing childhood Todd with a full beard. Yes, he does have a full beard. <laughs> <laughs> I started shaving at four, so five was, yeah, full beard. I, I'd already given it up. I'd already given it up. Um, I think, <laughs> so this is still like a film that I, I actually go back to every couple years, but I think where it messed me up was like on a couple different levels. I, uh, the first being, and I don't know if anybody had this experience in watching it, the bullying scared me. Like this is the story of a kid who is uh, trying to, you know, kind of figure out his way and, you know, is kind of different than other people and he gets bullied. And some of the bullying even scared me. I think it was some of the first of that that I had seen. Um, Gamork the Wolf. Is that how you pronounce that? That's how I pronounce it. 
That's how I pronounce it too. Gamork the wolf uh, freaked me out. Just blue eyes in the darkness, that scene at the end. I I don't think we're spoiling a film from 1984. Mm -hmm. Uh, So just, you know, the... The, the wolf in this freaked me out and even Falcor kind of creeped me out. Falcor is actually the scariest part when you rewatch this as an adult because he's just so creepy towards children. But generally speaking, uh, this, this film <laughs> messed me up in, in a number of different ways. Specifically, and this is the scene that I think people are waiting for me to talk about, Artax, the horse dying in uh, the Swamp of Sadness, which I think ruined a bunch of people's lives uh, when they saw it the first time. So that's my first kind of contribution to this was the never-ending story. I don't know about your thoughts. We grew up watching never-ending story a lot. Um, It was always, I don't know if it was always on TV or we were of that generation that would tape everything. There was just like, because we're not going to buy the movie and we're not going to rent it a trillion times. So if it's on TBS, we're going to record it. Um, and I remember it was the nothing, right? That was also the name yeah. of the wolf. Yeah. That would like. Well, no, it's Gamork, but Gamork. It's, he He's represents the, the nothing. nothing. Gotcha. He helps gotcha. the nothing. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah. I mean, that always scared the living shit out of me. What's odd though is we watched. <laughs> We watched The NeverEnding Story 2 a lot. So I have the them kind of like blending together in my brain. The um, creepy hand tower with the claws. Um, you know which one I'm talking about, Rich? I, I haven't revisited it in a while, but like yeah. conceptually, number two is the more like horrifying one because it's about a kid like being tricked into trading all of his like happy familial memories for like wishes that don't really accomplish anything and like this lady is just tapping him fucking dry and like just draining all of his memories (laughs) in these weird little like quarter machine balls that come out of his brain but um but the first one though i i mean there's so many classic imagery the um, the statues with the um that you have to walk through the gate or whatever like there's I I didn't I'll admit I didn't rewatch it for this podcast, but I've sure. I've seen it enough time that the imagery is seared into my brain of the and the first one. The first one also kind of has like a Princess Bride kind of feeling to it, doesn't it? Of like kind of caught in between the real world and going back into the fantasy world kind of a yes. thing. Yeah. 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 Well also now, now that Todd mentions it, now all I can picture is Felcor the Luck Dragon with a windowless van, like trying to like <laughs> lure kids. Um I, I will say that after twenty twenty I have I've never been more pro Gamark and the nothing than than I am now. Like the, the nihilism <laughs> that is contained within this German film. Uh yeah. Like I get it more as an adult than I ever did as a kid. <laughs> You're like no, you're like Gamork knows that this is bullshit, and he's he's done. <laughs> like absolutely. But it's weird when you talk about a film that destroys your childhood. Like I have rewatched this movie in the last year and it still creeped me out. So it is kind of funny how certain movies create this like never ending. Oh, there you go. Never ending mark on your life, basically, like where even as an adult, where if I had seen this for the first time, it wouldn't terrify me for some reason. It just hits you in that same way. And you can kind of remember that moment where it scared the shit out of you as a kid. That's that's kind of what I like about these sorts of films. It's a never ending drama. Uh, There you go. (laughs) 
mean, like, that's the weird thing is like, you know, I, this maybe I'm just an old man, but like, part of me wonders, like, are, are kids going to be able to make this podcast in, in the future? Because like, kids media is toned way down these days. Like, there's still right. sad kids movies, but there used to be a lot of scary kids movies in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, now you got Goosebumps with Jack Black. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the the parents... scariest thing is watching Jack Black go old, grow old. Yeah. It is funny. My parents at five took me to watch a movie where a horse, like, dramatically dies just in the worst scene ever. <laughs> like, to be watched by children. And they were just like, well, it's a kid's film. That's what you do. Well, look yeah. at the first Ninja well, Turtle think... movie. The, at the end of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, a guy gets it crushed in, in, <laughs> in a garbage compactor. What the fuck? <laughs> like, real life Shredder is not making it to the sequel. I don't care how much it was you put on him. He dead. He dead. He's dead. <laughs> Well, like the other weird thing is like I, you know, from just like glancing at the Wikipedia, because like yeah, I've I've seen this movie probably ten or twenty times in my life. Uh, this was my childhood. Um, but yeah, looking it up, uh, it was just like this was the biggest movie that hadn't been produced in the U.S. or the Soviet Union at the time. Like this was Germany going hard. Yeah, and it, it stood the test of time. Like we're still talking about it. You know what? Almost forty years later. Yeah, I mean, if you go online and watch any of those listicle top 10, whatever, traumatizing kids movies, it's always on the list. If not number one, certainly in the top. I mean, number one is always going to be Ernest Scared Stupid. Like, yeah. personally, fucking Kyoto Brothers. Shooting milk, shooting milk at yeah. people. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> As an adult, I can watch most things. I still don't revisit that movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's weird. It's the things that stick with me, I was always watching rated R movies. We were of that age where Terminator 2, because the toys were everywhere. There, you couldn't get me to not watch an Arnold movie. You know what I mean? So like Terminator, right. um, and we'll get into one of, you know what? Fuck it. We'll go into one of mine. Um, I put Alien 3 as one of my childhood. And it's like, how, as long as I've been alive, I've seen an Alien movie. I know this for a fact. Like, mm. And I had all the action figures. We were also of that time period where rated R movies were marketed to kids. Like we had action figures for Terminator 2, a rated R movie. They had like that you would just get for Christmas and you'd be like, all right, that's terrifying. Predator toys. I had so many Predator 2 toys. It was insane. But <laughs> I remember the, the, the Terminator, if you held it up to the sunlight, there was two little like gaps in the top of its skull that the sunlight would come through so that its eyes looked like they glowed yep yep, yep. or, or then they had the one with the detachable arms yeah and had like the metal spear that came out of it one of them yeah. the weirdest to me is that there were robocop like toys yeah like robocop <laughs> was i know like <laughs> the paul is definitely not for kids but it's like definitely not as bad as robocop robocop I'll yeah <laughs> I'll tell you what's weird. There are Rambo toys for kids, like the original Rambo. If you've seen that, I because I had them as a kid. Like there was a knife, a serrated knife with blood on it that they sold to children. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> I knew they. I didn't know about the serrated knife. That's crazy. Well, I mean, it's a plastic I, one. Well, but yeah, I, but yeah. Still... <laughs> I figured. <laughs> Does it come with a whetstone? What? <laughs> grinding pieces of plastic but like yeah, right. but like okay so every comic book i had growing up there's that iconic alien 3 
of the alien kind of eating its own tail kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then also of the Ripley and the and the xenomorph right next to her head was the extended mouth. I that just stuck with me. And like I would lay awake at night like afraid that something was gonna drag like an alien was gonna drag me under the bed. Like I was not and like Anytime I had to get up to use the bathroom or anything like that, it was just like I would like leap over the bed to try to get out of like the swing rate ratio or the hitbox ratio of the fucking xenomorph. (laughs) (laughs) Like that movie, like, and I, I think about and I revisiting it as an adult, um, because Alien, the first two Aliens, are I. But here's the thing. All right, I guess this is a long, stumbly way of saying it. I don't think Alien 3 is as bad as everyone says it is. It's not great, but it's stylistic as hell. It looks cool mm-hmm. as fuck. I mean, like, there's some pretty rad sequences in it. Um, you see the start of the David Fincher, like, blueprint that goes yeah, on to, yes, like, his visual style. Yeah, for sure. And, like, you, I don't think you get... it's, And it feels like a Nine Inch Nails music video at times, which I'm not mad at. I'm I'm very happy about. So <laughs> I, I think it's a fun I think it's a fun rewatch that still holds up. It's not scary. It doesn't obviously affect me in that way as it did as I was a child. Um but yeah, I mean Alien 3, I mean that movie, like I said, me and my friends would play Alien in the playground. Um I it was all fun and games during daylight, but as soon as those lights went down in Sam's bedroom, oh shit, I was scared. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's it's really weird. Like you know, one that movie has has baby Charles dance before he became a Lannister. Uh, um, no, it's so yeah. crazy. Yeah, Tywin Lannister is one of the monks. Uh, uh, then you know, you're talking about the toys. Uh, so in Alien Three, the alien starts out in a dog, and because it takes some of the dog DNA, it looks different than the other aliens. Like that yeah. is a crucial like part of Alien that like works its way into the mythos. But it's all related to the toys because when the toys came out, they're like, we got the dog alien, we got the rhino alien, we got the giant spider alien. Like, if you name an animal, there was an alien toy in the 90s based off of it. And it was way cooler than, than like, most of what actually made it into the movies. I, like, had a, I loved these toys as a kid. I had a, an, a xenomorph where it had its front haunches. And when you pushed it down, his head came down and, like, orange spikes came out of it. And it was dope as hell. I love that one. Yep, there's a vintage toy store like in in our city where it's like, oh, I can rebuy all of this stuff at thirty dollars a figure and and up. Yeah, yeah, that's why I can't go to conventions anymore because I literally will be like, I had that Spawn, I had that T two boxing or the T two Rock'em Sock'em robot, got to buy that. Oh, like I, I actually had that conversation with Liz today. Like I bought some pedals where I was just like, hey, like I, I used to have these same sort of pedal. Like these aren't the same exact ones, but like I had to sell them all in the first recession, like because I was just broke as shit and like got completely like screwed over on every single transaction by an eBay flipper who just had some money and a scanner. But I was just like, like I need to pay rent and now it's all gone. And like now, like I'm like, I'm capturing. <laughs> <laughs> good times yeah I'd chase them I just finished watching Alien 3 about an hour ago like right before the podcast oh, right uh, I think it's pretty underrated actually yeah. I, I, I like Alien 3 I think it, it really does have a nice distinctive style it is funny that it's kind of got 
I like how you describe it as having a Nine Inch Nails video feel to it, but that's a lot of early David Fincher stuff, I feel yeah. like. And I, I, I don't know. It, it was distinctive at the time. It doesn't, it, it still feel, it works for me. I could see how this would be terrifying. And what's interesting about Alien 3 is even though it's a step below, I don't think it's controversial to say it's a step below the first two films a little bit, even though I think it's underrated. Um, it has some of the more iconic moments from like the whole history of the alien franchise, like that part when the alien is coming in on, on Sigourney Weaver and you know what I mean? Like the extended mouth scene, like you talked yeah. about, it still gives me, it still gives me chills. Like it gave me chills today. Like, I just love that. It looks so good to me. That's the most iconic image of the, of the, of the franchise. whole franchise yeah and like yeah. even some of the chasing in the tunnel that first person um or that pov from the alien and like you know they're going through the tunnels and then the camera tilts upside down and it's like there's some cool shit in that movie and yeah i i think i think it for the general viewing audience coming off the james Ca james cameron aliens that's just a hard like it's just yeah. such a different leap you know and it's not it's not silly like Alien Resurrection silly, which I haven't seen in a very long time, even though I own the oh, I still love that movie, too. I, I, I have to revisit <laughs> that one, but... Well, like, that's one uh, by the maker of, like, Delicatessen and Amelie, and yeah. and that... Um, and, yeah, it's it's still messy, but, like, there are times when it works, and you could see where, like, this had a potential to be better than it was. Also, um... I'm I'm drawing his name uh, a blank um, giant dude uh, Ron Perlman Ron Perlman oh, yeah. makes an appearance yeah. in Alien Resurrection. Also, Sigourney Weaver sinks an impossible basket without real CGI life. help in real yeah, life. Yeah, in real on life. the first shot, just because she's a badass. Yeah, because she's fucking um, Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Um, you watch these movies and you're so impressed. It's just one of the best sci-fi horror characters ever. Like she's just so freaking great. She's just well, as they, impressive they said today that as she, she was, was never written to be a woman or a man. It was just a name and like a character personality, and like she just delivered the the performance that fit Ripley the best. Yeah, yeah she's great. There, there was also a thing about how uh, the guy who plays Hicks made more money off of like the image license to just use his picture in the beginning of Alien 3 than he made for acting in all of Aliens because he was like, you're killing me off screen, you know, in the first five seconds of the movie. You can at least pay me. Like, I didn't become famous from Aliens. Like, right. give me that money. Sure. Yeah. Also, the most important thing that we can get talk about with regards to Alien 3 is David Fincher, please stop making old Hollywood biopics and uh, go back to thriller and sci-fi territory. Like, no yeah. one, like, yeah. <laughs> I've heard good things about Manx. I haven't seen it yet. Um, man, I just want another Zodiac. I, we we rewatched yeah. Zodiac um, at the beginning of quarantine. And as a perfect movie, even if it's a slow movie, yeah. it, it's a it's a long one. But man, there's I'm never not engaged. Like, sure. I was literally talking to my mother last night about we don't have I live in California. We don't have basements out here. We just don't. And that scene with Jake Gyllenhaal where he's like, there's not a lot of basements in California. Well, this one does. And it's like, wow, <laughs> <laughs> that's creepy. 
But yeah, okay, yeah. so Alien 3. Richard, why don't you go with one of yours? All right. Uh, yeah, so one of my movies was Return to Oz, which is coincidentally the, I think, the only movie that Walter Murch wrote and directed. Uh, he might have wrote, written other stuff, but I think this is the only one that he directed. Yeah. And for those of you who are not in the know, Walter Murch is best known as Francis Ford Coppola's editor, the guy who edited Apocalypse Now, wrote the literal books on editing, and uh, like then went on to like do Cold Mountain and a bunch of like other like you know awarded you know high high tier stuff. But back yeah, then, pretty high tier sound um, sound department here. Oh yes, as well. yeah, yeah, because yeah, he was in the sound department on all of these, and like I think even on the Godfather films. Um, but yeah, he's just been a like lifelong buddy of Francis, and has has been with him the entire time. So of course, he decides to make a kids movie with a you know Ferruja Balk as a child uh, playing Dorothy, who's not the same age as the Dorothy that we remember from the first film. Uh, and everything is just like weird and messed up. Like the plot is her aunt is literally taking her to get shock therapy. Yeah. And like a story about like when she gets to Oz, like they talk about like, Oh, the Tin Man can't became that way because he was just like hacking off his limbs because they were being replaced by metal. And uh like there's definitely a couple moments where you're like did, did this kid just die like <laughs> the, the bad guy is this this like witch who has stolen like 50 heads of different people and like wears them to be to look different and it's heavily implied that she is going to turn uh Dorothy into stone and then cut her head off and wear it like this is dark for a kid's movie even by 80s standards I just watched it for the first time this morning and it's not heavily implied she flat up says I think I'll take you to the tower to wait a couple of years so you can I can have your head yeah. <laughs> like, uh, also like these creepy ass claymation monsters everywhere the wheelers to me were basically the droogs from clockwork orange but made a little bit more kid friendly like they're just very creepy and like unpleasant folk if the the wheelers were interesting like again this being my first time seeing it today i i have it's fresh on my mind i got some opinions on it uh, yeah one, <laughs> one you know there was a lot of twisted ankles on that fucking set dude you walk at that those wheelers and how i was just sitting there like that's not silly. Yeah. There's no way I would let that on my movie set and be like, everyone's everyone's twisting their ankles on that shit. Um, two, like, man, I, I mean, it's so weird. Yeah, you're right. They, they got they're almost like punk rockers. Some of them are wearing yeah. like full face masks and they have like tubes coming out of them. Some of them are just wearing like David helmet eyeshadow, you know, or whatever. Like, it, it was such a weird. It was so weird, and it's broad daylight too. Normally, like something like that would be shot in, in the dark, you know, dark hallways. And like, and it's still just as creepy in daylight. Yeah, like, yeah. everything very is very bright, and even with Wilfred Brimley, the Clock Man, nothing is is okay <laughs> in Oz. <laughs> Uh, like they, there's also a you know like a guessing game of doom like where you will be turned into an inanimate object and oh also the big bad is literally going to eat you like the gnome king is like yeah. i am going to eat you like you know what's weird about that guessing game and what made that so scary is it happens off camera like he's yeah. just chatting with dorothy and now all of a sudden he'll just look up and go like oh your friends are gone yep your friends are gone he's gone Next one's turn, and you're just like, whoa. 
creepy. Well, and then, you know, like true to form for a Oz movie, but funny for the 80s, is that the last moment this becomes an 80s melt movie. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I, um, I, I didn't have a chance to pick this movie because Rich picked this movie, but this is the most terrifying children's movie that's ever been made. That's, that's what I would say in that it's truly kind of a kid's movie. Like I've rewatched it recently and it's not like, it's not an adult's movie that we mistakenly thought was a kid's movie. It's a, just a terrifying children's movie. And that's, what's kind of so special about it. I think is like the mumby her walking through and like trying to get that one head and like or whatever it is that she has to do that goal is the most terrifying moment of my childhood in oh, yeah terms the, of the life powder to make her yeah yeah and you're right all of these terrifying parts that don't exist in children's films now like the part like you talked about where they have to pick the right the object otherwise they're going to turn into an object is just so scary as a child but yeah so th this movie i fully co-sign and endorse this as a film that fucked up children's lives uh when they were younger because it's it's terrifying but wonderful in my opinion it, it also has one of my like my favorite la line in the movie hands down is it's something to the effect of like, how does he talk when his brain is run down? Like <laughs> the clock man. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> what the there's there's a couple of parts that I, I mean I really enjoyed watching this. I mean it's I, I it's a good movie. Like it it's surprisingly yeah. watchable for what it is. And, and there's even like a little bit like I don't know if it's supposed to be funny, but like there's a creepy claymation thing that happens throughout the whole thing where the gnome king has like basically uh, scouts that are rock scouts that but like but when they do the the rocks get little faces and they transform when he talks to the gnome you don't see the gnome king for a while it's just you just see his shadow while these little mouse are talking to him on rocks and he's like and she has a chicken a chicken he's like and she has a chicken and it's like that was so funny <laughs> it's so cool and weird and like that shit bonkers <laughs> like the amount uh, of time also one more call out before we move to something else which is the wheelers completely got ripped off for that uh, uh the floor is lava episode of community <laughs> like totally totally dude and like the the sand what's it called the something like the death desert or something like that um yeah yeah <laughs> oh my god dude that was well at first i thought like the guy just legit fell like when they were doing the wheelers chase and then he like fell i'm like oh shit that actor biffed but then he like fell yeah. into the sand and then turned into sand and then disappeared i was like oh that's <laughs> yeah weird <laughs> yeah well and isn't it like a like a surprisingly small area of sand as well. Yeah, like, it's not very I feel like they zoom out and you're just like, what? That's that's yeah. the deadly desert or what? The deadly desert, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like this this was a like maybe I'm just an old man, but this is a classic case of like they don't make them like that anymore, you know, just no, watching sure it. Don't. No, they don't. So Todd, what was your second movie? 
Okay, so a tribute to people who got exposed to movies they shouldn't have been exposed to when they were eight fucking years old. And that is the movie The Shining. Uh, So this was, if I was being honest, one of two or three movies that really messed up my life as a kid. I saw The Shining when I was eight years old because I had older cousins who were rude and shouldn't have treated me that way and it has horrified me and terrified me ever since so I know there are like different perspectives on The Shining and how good it is but like for me it's just a film that has a strange nostalgia to it even though it's it's horrifying for me Jack Nicholson still creeps me out to this day I actually feel like and this is why I picked this film To this day, I have this weird thing where when I am in big open spaces, kind of like the Overlook Hotel, like when you you have these like big vast areas, I get like genuinely creeped out to this day. Like I still kind of when I'm in big epic buildings like that. And I think it all originates with The Shining and watching it as a kid. I'm also terrified of hallways. And one last thing it did is I'm genuinely, I think I'm convinced that this is the first time I ever saw nudity in a movie. And if you know, and you've seen this movie, you know that this was not the best first way to see nudity. No. Uh, (laughs) It might've been mine too, actually full frontal anyway. Yeah. Oh, that's a completely naked lady. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I still remember seeing that in the movie, and it, I, it was, yeah, it, it was horrifying. So, so, yeah. Something that I always wonder with The Shining, you know, having like it came out when I before, right before I was born. Uh, I still still saw it as a kid, um, but I'm definitely far more familiar with it as an adult. And yet, I can't help but wonder, like, was Jack Nicholson a character that you could identify with when it first came out and, like, society has just changed? Or was he just, like, read as a giant piece of shit immediately by everybody who's ever seen this movie? Right. I think he was read as a piece of shit by everybody who saw the movie originally. I think he's supposed... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know... Jack Nicholson does a good job of at least conveying crazy in a way where like you understand some of his motivations, but I don't think he was ever supposed to be a sympathetic character. If that's well, I think that's about. what pissed Stephen King off is because okay. in the book, Jack Torrance is a, you know, a, like he's not a great guy, but he's not that. He's a flawed man. I mean, I've read the book more than I've seen the movie, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've, I'm, well, I can't even say that. Because I saw this movie, I'm a little bit younger than you guys. Um, I'm a tad bit younger than you, Rich. Um, I saw this probably in sixth grade or something, like sixth or fifth grade. Um, we, we finally got around to watching it. And I don't ever remember being scared by it. But I remember thinking that it was just like a really good movie. And like like I just remember the bartender scene you know, where he's talking to Lloyd, the bartender, and just being like, probably because when you're in sixth grade, you don't understand alcoholism. You know what I mean? And like the battle that he's going through. But I was just like, this is a weird, like, it's cool. And it's like, (laughs) dialogue is good, I guess, you know, and then like, him talking about like, I had to dispose, I had to correct them when uh, he meets Mr. Grady in the bathroom. 
Oh, we're running out of time. Um, don't worry about it. Um, so I, I think that, yeah, I mean, like, even though, and as I've gotten older and I've become such a huge fan of the book, Jack Torrance is com- almost a completely different character in the book than he is in the movie. And just like, he loves his son. Everything he does is because he loves his son. He's just kind of a dipshit and doesn't understand the right way to do it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, um, but that movie, I'll, I'll tell you, there's a couple scenes, that elevator of blood in that movie, that's still very effective to this day. To like, they, like, they still used that scene because it would have been so expensive to reshoot for Dr. Sleep from what I heard. I love Dr. Sleep too, yeah. But that I, would make yeah, sense. I, on my Dr. list Sleep of was stuff to do soon is to, to check out that director's cut because I've actually heard I good things. I, I just need to, to I need that three oh. hours and like the director's a cut. The director's cut is better. I don't always think they are, and it really is on that film. Yeah, you should. I was gonna say, yeah, Todd, you're you're a pretty big brevity guy. Like you like short movies. I am. I do. I love short movies, and Unless I love the short enough to be a show. Yes, <laughs> that's true. That's true. I don't like TV. Don't give me TV. Give me an hour and a half, tight hour and a half. That's what I want. I I'm. But yeah, no, that's a good show. But I'm sorry, I didn't mean uh, to so, take away from your uh, shining. But yeah, that was. But I mean, still, I'm. You still think about that first time seeing nudity or like full frontal nudity and how yeah. quickly it turns out. We're, we can spoil this movie. That's yeah. the one you. If see you that. haven't seen The Shining yet, that's on you. Yeah, no sure. <laughs> Return to Oz, fine, yeah. but The Shining, fuck off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but like that does like because I. You're a little boy and you're watching it and your brain's telling you shit. And then to have that switch on you like that, that, that fucks you up. It yeah. does. It does. What also, was what uh, your what second was... movie? Yeah, Sam. Uh, my second movie was Fern Gully. And um, the reason I picked this movie is I have two older sisters. So for as much as there was Terminator and Indiana Jones and Alien in my house, watch, and again, we didn't really have a rated R thing. If it was on television, we were allowed to watch it. Um, early cable family kind of a thing. But um, I'll tell you what, man, there was something about that movie. I was just young enough. And I actually rewatched this earlier today, too, in preparation for this, because I hadn't seen it in a while. But I remember it messing me up. And it's actually a pretty lighthearted movie, but there's something about Tim Curry and my childhood between it, the television series, which as an adult does not work, but when you're a little kid and you see Pennywise's hand and Tim Curry as Pennywise, it fucks you up. Tim Curry as yes. the devil in legend, and then Tim Curry as Hexus in, in Ferngully. There's something about this that just like destroyed me. Um, as a kid, the smoke monster, him going through the mach- the leveler as a machine, just and it, 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 even at the end when he becomes a skull a skeleton tar creature, you know the death the decay or whatever, it it I, that scared the shit out of me as a child. I'm gonna disagree with you on '90s it. I I still love '90s it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, still I love like it the new too. one better, but like I any yeah. Like when at first I thought you were saying there is something about this movie. I'm like, that something is Tim Curry. <laughs> like, yeah. Tim Curry really just is that powerful. I think that that's in part what this is a testament to because I didn't see this as a child. I would have been 
13 when this came out so i was like the perfect cynical age to hate that film yeah it would have been uncool so i saw it for the first time like four days ago and tim curry is definitely the best part of it the second he starts talking you're like oh look at what tim curry's doing it's a great (laughs) it, it really is kind of exciting in that way but i could see how this would be horrifying as a child uh because of thinking about the environment etc i personally i know people disagree with me on this i personally hold millennials accountable for having seen this movie and not (laughs) fixing the environment problem that's my personal opinion as an old man hey but you know at least your generation took this movie and then remade it as avatar yeah yes We did. Avatar totally stole Fern Gully. I didn't realize that. It's great. I've never seen Avatar, but yeah, I've heard that before. Yes, you have. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you it's basically this, and more guns. <laughs> How funny. Oh, boy. But yeah, I mean, there's really not much to talk about other than it, that there's just when he's going through that machine and he's like fucking with the operators and he's like, no breaks and it's like oh he's just he's hamming it up tim curry just Mm. doing what tim curry does just chew that scenery and or that audio can can you believe that his first real movie was rocky horror picture show that guy is just insane i love him i mean like yeah i he hasn't been in anything for a while, but I I will I will carry a special spot in my heart for Tim Curry until till the end. Best part of Congo for sure. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the gonna Michael be on Craig's the Zoom movie we don't talk about. <laughs> Man. Oh, All right, uh, for for my last movie, I am gonna you know dig into a movie that is so controversial that Disney has scrubbed it off of the face of existence if if you don't own a DVD or VHS or follow some guy on YouTube who only posts about this movie in trains which is how I found about it uh Brave Little Toaster so uh the Brave Little Toaster I think it was originally based off of a book uh didn't read the book sorry don't don't read a lot of kids books no uh but this movie fucking scarred me as a child. Uh, so it's an animated film that it's the type of movie that like parents will sit a kid down and like see the first like minute and a half of this movie and then just check the fuck out and then not check back in until the end of it. And like that is exactly where this like nestles itself in the nail bed of of childhood for me. Because had my parents just watched like two minutes more of this movie, something would have been up to them. Past the little Richard past the little Richard musical number of them like bopping around around the house. Yeah. Yeah. Uh like also, you know, uh, apparently because I buy my shit from Amazon and IKEA, my you know items don't clean my house for me like that's a big part of the beginning of this movie (laughs) is that your your stuff will will take care of you right Uh, the goods are good for you 
but right off the bat, like before the adventure has even started, you have an air conditioner like commit suicide on screen. Like he just intentionally <laughs> overheats himself and explodes in front of them. He's just like, no, this is fucked. Everything is bad. This is how I feel now. Boom. And like, that's the start of the movie. Uh, so while while this is happening, you know, like watching this through a, a modern lens, it's really weird because like the items that they chose are the only collection of items that haven't been all replaced by a smartphone. Like most of these things still exist as a standalone, you know, product in your household. Except for John um, Lovitz. John Lovitz has been replaced <laughs> by your phone. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, as an aside, in the very first scene where you meet the toaster, he looks high as fuck. Like, just just gonna say, like, <laughs> his eyes are are very heavily lidded, and that toaster is is not warming up fast. Uh, uh, they also take a detour early to make sure that you, as the viewer, know that the uh, the vacuum cleaner totally took a shit behind that tree. <laughs> like, cause like somebody like looks as he's behind the tree and the toaster like looks at him like, really dude, like we don't do that. And then there's just like a big poof of dust from behind the tree and you're like, oh, okay. I, I get what they're doing here. Uh, on top of that, we have, we have lightning striking, like, the peril is just amped to 11 because these are all inanimate objects. So it's okay for bad things to happen to them. <laughs> um, there is a random like creepy clown dream that like they're yes. in a house that's on fire. And like this thing is just seared into the back of my brain. Like whenever, you know, whenever as a kid, I needed a bad dream, that clown, he was there. <laughs> Richard, this, I was actually thinking about picking this one too. Um, I'm, I have memories of having the clamshell of this of this VHS. I, I can't be a hundred percent certain, but that um, the there's two scenes that I really remember that stuck out to me. One was like the '80s digital house that they go to, and those appliances being like cold and like kind of scary too for and like, assholes. Yeah, yeah, and like dicks. Yeah, um, and then the junkyard, obviously the worthless musical number. Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna get to a worthless design. Um, yeah, because that that sticks out a lot. But even before that, they go to the tinkerer's house and like this, like they're oh, drowning right. in a swamp, and this dude with a monster truck just drags them out of the dirt. And you're like, oh, cool, like they're okay, like nerdy guy with a monster truck, and he takes them back to his shop, and it's a tinker shop and like he's a repair guy and you're like oh so he repairs and fixes things and you're like you have this moment of like oh maybe he'll take care of them and you're like wait a second nope this is a repair shop <laughs> these are all monster items that have been like torn apart for pieces and will tell the the protagonist of this movie all of the shitty stuff that is in store for them uh, but yeah, as as they get through all of this, we work our way to the car smasher, which is the big bad of this, uh, and the song Worthless, which I'm just going to quote a couple lines from just, you know, so you, you can tell what we're working with here. I can't take this kind of pressure. I must confess one more dusty road would be would just be a road too long, worthless. I just can't. I just can't. I just can't seem to get started. Don't have the heart to live in the fast lane. All that has passed and gone. Worthless, 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 worthless. Like, 
Never has a movie and a kid song been so on the money for me as an adult. <laughs> uh, just, <laughs> but like it just like it dealt with like this idea that yeah, you're gonna be replaced and garbage and like the future is scary and full of like unknown also you can get through an entire plot i'm sorry i'm spoiling brave little toaster all they had to do was stand still all they had to do was just stay in the same spot and they would have been fine this is one of those movies (laughs) i i did not grow up with this as a stressor in my life but i am married to someone who did grow up with this as a stressor in her (laughs) life so i only watched this for the first time like about a year ago because she wanted to like come to terms with her past (laughs) trauma and i have to say as an adult it's still pretty traumatizing so i don't know what watching it like as a kid would be like but even as an adult it's kind of like it sent me into a like a personal psychological crisis it made me think about mortality it was really it was depressing and so the fact that this is a children's film is interesting can i i think this is really interesting though real quick the producer of the little toaster also produced tron and tron legacy the lesbian anthem film but i'm a cheerleader which is awesome that is awesome and the serial killer film monster that's his that's his that's his producer history is that that's great Good for it's him. like hearing George Miller made all the Mad Max movies and Happy Feet and its sequel. Like, yeah, yeah. and Babe, Babe yeah, Kevin and Babe, Babe. Yeah. yeah, that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> Even just us briefly talking about it, it all comes flooding back to me. Rich, when you sent me that text earlier, when you posted on the Discord those lyrics, the the song came back to me. I just can't take this kind of pressure. And I'm like, da 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 And like, I knew the song, like it immediately flashed back to me. And like that scene and like how scared I was watching it of the chomper. And that's it. You expect these songs to be like dark and brooding and no, they're like, you know, like they're, they sound like off takes from Greece. Like, yeah. <laughs> Worthless. <laughs> uh, and like this entire movie feels like something that like, you know, just came from the mind of Werner Herzog or something. It was just so chock full of nihilism and Oh my god, I would love to see Werner Herzog do the Brave Little Toaster. Do a live action Brave Little Toaster. (laughs) It's gotta be live action. Yep, Yep. that's what I want. And as as since you brought up Blanky, uh Sam, yeah, Blanky didn't deserve any of that shit. (laughs) Like Blanky was a good soul. <laughs> I used to love the radio and uh lamp a lot too as like it's for every bad memory I still remember those two like having fun and like you know like it, it's one of the it's actually kind of a perfect movie for a little kid but I also like being scared I'm fucked up and I I have a yeah. horror movie podcast cuz all I do is I like I, clearly I'm deranged so this movie fucked me up I guess but <laughs> I honestly think the, the radio and lamp is there, you know, to be that reminder, like, yeah, you know, you, you can push back on this stuff, you know, like yeah. the, the world is scary, but you don't have to, you know, passively accept that. Right. Which if more people learned while watching Fern Gully, it would be a better place. <laughs> oh boy. All right, gentlemen. Well, 
we're running out of time here. Um, final thoughts, anything we want to, anything else we want to discuss? Sorry, Todd, David Fincher, David back Fincher. to thrillers. Back to thrillers. <laughs> David Fincher, back to thrillers. I'll endorse that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, um, you know, thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back in yeah, two weeks. Um, watch some movies. Watch some movies. We're going to be watch on some a, movies. We're going to be on a two week schedule for right now. Um, so yeah, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye bye.